0: connecting life and faith this is connection if i made the money if i did all this travel you know i i got all these girls if i won that award if i was the best that would bring me happiness but once all those boxes were checked and i won that award it actually illuminated my brokenness because it didn't work and that's when i just kind of fell apart where it's like man i from the outside looking in i had everything once i have that I will be happy and it didn't work. And that caused me to seriously consider, you know, self-harm, um, calling out to the God that I really didn't know. I'm um, saying I didn't want to live because I thought for certain there, there's, there's no woman that's ever going to want to marry me. There's, there's no way I'm going to be a, a, a father in a healthy way. Um, there's no way that I'm going to contribute to an organization in any way. I'm not going to be a leader. I'm not going to do anything worth anything i'm not going to impact the world
1: but that's exactly what he's doing we're joined today by joshua broom there was a six-year period in his life where he was one of the most successful adult film stars in the world he obtained fame wealth and traveled the world all to find out that none of those would fill the emptiness in his heart he cried out to god and eventually his life changed he's going to share how this all came to be and what he's up to nowadays today on connections We're joined today by Joshua Broom. He was one of the most successful adult film stars in the world. Today, he's a pastor. You're mentioning that you're a pastor, you're an author, but that is not how your career started. Tell us a little bit about your career and where things actually started.
0: I grew up in a small town in South Carolina. I started modeling and acting when I was uh, 14 or 15 years old. And I went to college, studied theater for about two years. And I thought if I just moved out to Hollywood, then uh, the the jobs that I was auditioning for that uh, some of them I wasn't getting, it, it would be, you know, just advantageous for me to be in closer proximity to the, you know, the, the industry that I wanted to work in. So I moved there. Um, I landed both a modeling and an acting agent and things were going okay. But like, most people who live in that area, it's like you—you uh, you are pursuing one thing, but you're doing another to uh, pay the bills. So I was working at a restaurant, and in that restaurant, I—I I met a group of girls that invited me um, t- to like be in the industry that they were in, and they asked me if I was an actor. And surprisingly, they were talking about porn. They weren't talking about um, the the mainstream acting that I was pursuing. And through an array of poor decisions, I said yes to that. And um, that one yes changed the trajectory of my life. And I ended up being in the adult film industry for six years. I did over a thousand movies, um, won a lot of awards. I was nominated for Best Male Performer three times. I, I won it once the last year I was in the industry. And yes, yeah, so, I mean, that, that, that's kind of where I was in contrast to where I am for a lot of people that maybe don't follow Jesus, I met like some think, oh, that's a, I don't know, kind of like a glamorous life. Oh, dream come true. What's the reality of living that lifestyle though? Yeah. I mean, uh, the reality is like, sure. um, I was was making a lot of money. I was traveling the world. I had nice things. But at the end of the day, when I put my head on the Pillow. Um, I was a prostitute, and you know, each and every day, 20, 20 to thirty times a month, I was filming these scenes. And you know, there's forty people in the room. There's you know, a, there's catering in the background, and you know, people people are just standing there watching you do something that's supposed to be intimate, and you're sitting there with two people who really don't want to be there, being mm-hmm. directed hours and hours and hours um, to do this this thing that's supposed to be intimacy. And you, for me and many people in the industry, you become so numb to reality because what's supposed to be exciting becomes arbitrary and you just become a shell of yourself. And for me, I went by a stage name. I was always, everyone does, everyone goes by a stage name. And I mean, that in itself should paint a level of, I'm, I'm trying to hide from a certain level of shame. So because, you know, it, what, what do you get, like when you get excited about putting your name on things that you're proud of? So right. that should illuminate the fact that I'm, I'm ashamed of this, regardless of what you communicate. You know, when you do that, you're saying, I don't want my real name to be on this because there's a level of shame. But the reality is you're, you are being manipulated day in and day out and sadly more often than not it's by yourself because you make a decision that you regret and that shame and guilt paints a picture of your life and then you have the people around you telling you that, that well this is what you decided to do so this is just who you are this is what you have to do and your shame and your guilt causes you to push everyone that's uh, you know that you have an authentic relationship with because if you have an authentic relationship mm-hmm. with someone and they truly know you to a certain degree, you're you're accountable to them. So for for many people in the industry, they push out everyone that's, you know, family or, or truly friends, because for you to get up and do what you do for a living, there's this level of shame that just grows and grows and grows. And it's it's impossible to look people that truly know you in the eye when you're living this way. <laughs>
1: Did you feel that shame all along, like when you started off, or is this something that came a little later in once you had experienced it?
0: Yeah, that's a great question. Um, so I think in the beginning, it was, uh, it, it, there was instant regret in the beginning because I made that decision to do a, to do a film and I, I didn't know that it was a large production and, that, and, that, and the turnaround on it was relatively quickly. And so I did this, I did this film that went out everywhere and on, and on the set, they took some photos that ended up on uh, a popular magazine. So I'm on the cover of this magazine and I do this movie and it's everywhere within two weeks. um, I'm getting fired from my agencies because obviously that's a breach of contract regarding conduct and um, you know, the the way that you portray your likeness. Uh, I'm getting a phone call from my mom that heard through the grapevine that I did this thing that I shouldn't have done. And I'm having this conversation with her and her telling me that, you know, I'm not mad at you, but I'm so disappointed because you have so much more value than that. You're so much better than that. And that was the narrative in the conversation that we continue to have through throughout the six years I was in the industry until I completely um, just stopped answering her calls and her texts because every time she would say that, I would feel The guilt and the shame, and I just stayed in for so long, and I just became numb to it. That's the worst, right? Like I'm not mad; I'm just disappointed in you. When your parents say that, that hurts. Did you like? Did your is your mom a Jesus follower? Did you grow up around faith? And yeah, that's a great question. So, um, and and so until until about eight years ago, I would have said I was a Christian, but I wasn't. So hmm. I, I, I grew up going to church. Um, I went to church on, I grew up in the South. So, you know, I went to church on Sunday, Wednesday, you know, vacation Bible school. Uh, like, so I, I was in church a lot and I knew scripture and I knew about God. And I would have said I was a Christian because the box that the two boxes that I checked that, that I thought at the time solidified my Christian faith was, um, do you believe that God is real? Do you believe that God created everything? So those were the two things that somehow I had heard through um to be honest like very thick legalistic preaching um that those those you needed to believe that God was real and you need to believe that he created everything and that's that's all I got from that, and that's what I believed, and I believed that that made me a christian um so it didn't <laughs> but but Um, but yeah, so I, to, to answer your question, so I grew up that way. My grandmother and, um, my grandparents, so my mom had me when she was 16, we grew up in my grandparents' home. Um, so my grandparents, devout Christian, loved the Lord. And my mom, I think she was somewhere like in the middle of, um, I believe that God is real, but I've, I've experienced both. Uh, the shame of having, you know, I, I made a mistake and I, I ended up getting pregnant. And now I have this child that doesn't have a father, and just navigating through the shame and the guilt of that um, at, at such an early age. And and I I don't know um, if she had a solidified relationship with God through the person of Jesus, but definitely knew about God. But her, her you know, she she, yes, yeah, so I I don't know the answer for certain, but about four, three years ago, her and I had this great conversation, um, you know, per, articulated the gospel to her. And she, there there was a type of breakthrough because, you know, there's there's salvation, then there's sanctification. And sometimes uh, in, until the gospel really unbinds and, and un, uh, untangles a lot of things in your life, you can't really see God for who he is. And just through um, a process, you know, we had this conversation and I believe in that moment, she, she truly gave her life to Jesus. And I actually baptized her. So I was on staff at a church mm, in Oklahoma nice. at the time. And I baptized her out in, in my backyard in a pool. <laughs> so, uh, it, it, it was, it was a pretty, uh, it was a pretty incredible moment. I'm um, definitely, uh, super emotional. So I, was she a Christian her whole life? Maybe, but in that, like, you know, as of three years ago, I would say certainly.
1: Speaking of giving your life to Jesus, you are a former porn star turned pastor. Now, when we hear that, that's not going to be an easy transition. Obviously that is quite the road to travel. Tell us a little bit about what happened and, and how that process eventually took place for you.
0: Yeah. I mean, so, so, my last year in the industry, I win performer of the year. And like for me, um, so, so part of my depression and despair was, was on, well, all of it was due to my own decisions. Like all the decisions that I made upon my own volition led to an amplified depression and, and despair. And when I won that award, so someone who has a, uh, you know, in the 99th percentile, a, you know, high achiever personality, I tried, to, I tried to succeed to cover up the void that I had in my life. and I believed it was because I, I didn't have my dad, right. So I believed that because I didn't have a father, uh, there was some, there was something in me that wasn't good enough. Um, I was searching for value through accomplishments, you know so through scholastics, through sports, through um, getting the girl that no one else could. Um, just conquest after conquest after conquest. And I continued to live my life through that, and that continued in the porn industry. So I believed if I won Performer of the Year, then that would be the thing. Like if I made the money, if I did all this travel, if you know, I, I got all these girls, if I won that award, if I was the best, that would bring me happiness. But once all those boxes were checked and I won that award, it actually illuminated my brokenness because it didn't work. And that's when I just kind of fell apart where it's like, man, I from the outside looking in, I had everything. I had everything. Yeah, you know, I, I I had everything that I said. Once I have that, I will be happy and it didn't work. And that caused me to seriously consider, you know, self-harm. Um mm-hmm. calling out to the God that I really didn't know. I'm saying I didn't want to live because I thought for certain there there's there's no Woman, that's ever going to want to marry me? There's, there's no way I'm going to be a, a, a father in a healthy way. Um, there's no way that I'm going to contribute to an organization in any way. I'm not going to be a leader. I'm not going to do anything worth, you know, anything. I'm not going to impact the world. What am I going to do? So I, I might as well die. And that's where I was. And that, and I, I walked into a bank one day. I went to cash this check or deposit this check. And I was, and I was leave, as I was leaving the teller said, Joshua, can I help you? Joshua, are you okay? Hmm. And I mean, I, obviously, you know, brokenness in my eyes. and um, But just just her asking that, it, it, it was an important moment because at that time in my life, I had isolated myself from everyone completely. And I haven't even heard my name in over a year. And when I heard my name, it shattered this plausible reality based on, Lies and I, I, the numbness that I had, it was it was broken through, and I felt the pain. And I felt I felt the regret mostly of not returning my mom's calls, returning my mom's texts, because she's always been so great to me, and, and I love her so dearly. And I knew how much that hurt her. So the 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 culmination of of me feeling the shame and that caused me just to pick up the phone and and run for my life and leave. So I I pick up the phone you know, called my agent, called my PR person. I was like, quit. I quit, put out a press release, you know, so on and so forth. And then I ran home. And the only thing I had experience with was personal training outside of doing any kind of like media. And I was like, I I don't want to have my picture taken. I don't want to be on camera. And I doubt that anyone's going to be hiring me for anything that I would be willing to do. So this is my only, this is my only plan B. So I put out a million, um, you know, feelers out looking for like to gyms in the vicinity of where my mom lives. And I got a job at the gym. My mom instills me this great work ethic. And for good or for bad, my personality is such like, whatever I'm doing, I'm all in. I'm going to give it everything I got for good or for bad. If it's chicken wings or, you know, <laughs> play, play, you know, playing a game with my kids outside or whatever it is, like for good or for bad, I'm all in. And I was like, okay, I'm, I'm going to be the best, you know, I'm going to be the best trainer there there's ever been. And I poured my life into it. And I, I very quickly worked my way up. i um, along the way. People continued to say like, aren't you that guy? Aren't you that guy? Aren't you that guy? And I, I lied and I ran, and I lied and I ran until everyone that I'd lied to kind of just knew, okay, well th- this is who this guy is. And you know, he's, that's not what he's doing anymore, but he has this, this past that's kind of confusing and, I, I just, I just was relentless in my work ethic and I, and I worked my way up to a management position, in this gym. And while I'm there, this, you know, this girl walks in and I'm, I'm and I asked her out on a date and she says, no. And I was like, okay. And she's like, well, uh, we can go for a run. And I was like, Oh, I don't, I don't really care for long runs, but you know, I, I'll do whatever I need to do to spend some time with you. And we, I meet her to go on this run and um, as I'm waiting, I just feel this guilt because I would lied to so many people. And that there was a two year gap in between when I left in this moment. And I'd lied to so many people lied about my past. I even lied about who, like my, my relationship with my father. I told people that he was dead. I told people he lived in different countries because I'm just so humiliated about my past and humiliated about so many things in my life. Just shame directed everything I did, um, on a relational level and, I was like, I can't lie to this person. I'm just going to tell the truth. And, you know, whatever happens, happens. If she, you know, if if she, if she says, see you later, or she never talks to me again, or or whatever happens, I'm going to be honest for the first time. And I'm going to leave it at that. So very early on that run, I'm like, Hey, I want to tell you something. And it turns to a walk. And I'm like, I did a little bit of porn. She was like, excuse me. What's What'd you say? Yeah. (laughs) And I was like, okay. I was like, Josh, tell the truth. And then I just let it rip. And I, I said, every, like I told her everything bad I've ever done in my life. I told her, you know, when I was 12 years old, I kicked my brother in the shin. I lied to my mom about it. I blamed it on the table. I, you know, like everything. And at the end of me, you know, spilling my guts out for five minutes, she's pretty, you know, taken back by what I said. And, you know, she's processing, obviously not saying anything. And I'm like, what are you going to do? And she looks at me and says, well, I did not expect you to say that. And, and then she said something that changed my life. She looked me in the eye and said, "Um, I want you to know that a person is not defined by the worst thing they've ever done. And a person is not defined by the greatest thing they'll ever do. God defines who someone is. Hmm. And I was like, okay she's like do you know do you know uh do you know who god is do you believe in god i was like yeah absolutely i believe in god um you know i i even to the point i was like yeah i was like you know because so, so for so long in my life i'd wore the mask of i'll be whoever i need to be to get your affirmation and acceptance so you want me to be a christian great yes hmm. i believe that time space and matter came into existence at the same time so there had to be an external force for the the you know, for for the the force that created all three all three of those things that existed outside of those things, I was like so yeah, like yeah, I believe in God. It makes sense. He created everything, I believe in God. Um, yeah, absolutely. She was like, Okay, well what what's your relationship with Jesus like? What what's what's your prayer life like? Well like what's your walk like? And I, I tried to lie but I couldn't speak. And then I just said, I don't know. I don't, I don't know the answer to that. And then she shared with me, you know, I, I, she became a Christian when she was a teenager. This is what her walk's been like. It's not been perfect, but ups and downs. This is where she goes to church. This is, you know, the small group she attends, this and that. And then the, the conversation pivoted to, do I like tacos and, and things like that. And I was just so, so taken back by the fact that I just told her this, this secret that I've been essentially keeping. And she didn't blink. And um, our, our conversation, it cultivated a curiosity inside of me. It's like, it, is, is the God in you? Is what allowing you to respond to what I said like that? Because if that's true, I'm curious. And the kindness that she extended to me, even, even when after hearing how dirty and, and, and how you know, terrible my past was, it just baffled me. And it and actually broke down some boundaries in my heart, and then you know she she invited me to to go to church with her that that Sunday, and um, it, it was a it was somewhere that a few people that the gym that I worked at attended, and I went there and uh, I walked in and there was uh, a mission statement right when I walked in it says uh, my mission is to love people where they are and encourage them to grow in their relationship with Jesus Christ. And I was like, I don't know if you want to meet me where I'm at because you don't know where I've been. That's what I'm thinking inside. And then I, I sit through the service. Um, every Everything's going fine. And then um, he starts telling the story about Mephibosheth and how he was the remaining lineage of Jonathan and how David, uh, unlike previous kings, because it, it was his in, in history – in that, in that culture, when a new king came into reign, the previous kingdom would be wiped out. Everyone would be killed because they didn't want anyone to think that they had access to that kingdom. But David was a different king, and he had a relationship with Jonathan. So he sends a guard out to find Mephibosheth, who's essentially um, battered and broken and, and expecting death. Yet the guard extends his hand, he sends grace to him and he invites him to David's table, not for a day, not for a week, but forever. And he restores his land to him and so much more. He pivots so much more that Jesus, you know, the, the Bible tells us that, you know, Romans three twenty three that we're all we've all fallen fall short. You know, we've all sinned and we fall short of the glory of God. And then it, it tells us that even when we were still sinners, when we deserved death, when we were enemies of God. Jesus died for us yeah. and why did he do that? why did he do that? because he loves us not because we deserve it because he loves us and he loves us to the point to give himself up and to be beaten and humiliated and crucified on a cross but praise God he didn't stay dead he rose on the third day and, and putting your faith in him that solidifies your victory over hell death, sin in the grave and he did that for you and it's available to, to you regardless of what you've done or where you've been and I've heard that, but not like that. And it made its way from my head to my heart. And in that moment, I relinquished a lifetime of, of shame and guilt. And what's the best, And like, that's amazing. But the, I, I love to say also, the person that I had that conversation with has been my wife for six years. And we mm-hmm. have three beautiful sons together and we do ministry together. So. Um, yeah.
1: Broom earned his bachelor's degree in Christian ministry with a focus on biblical theology. He's now in the process of earning his master's in theology, and he continues to preach around the country. He's currently on the teaching team at Good News Baptist Church in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. To learn more about Joshua, visit his website, joshuabroom.me. Thank you so much for joining us today and for listening. Don't forget to subscribe. We'll talk to you again on Connections.